Hello friends, I'm Vance Rains, Senior Pastor of First Church Coral Springs. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this is a source of inspiration and faith as you grow in your walk with Christ. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. So as you're about to discover, this morning's service is a little different. So we're going to have a reading of scripture from Matthew uh, chapter 26. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, this is the blood of a covenant, of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in the Father's kingdom. So we thought that was an appropriate scripture for this morning. It don't mean any Sunday, but today's communion Sunday. Uh, It also today is the day we're ending our little series we've done called Life as Liturgy, where we've been talking about how all of our life, including our rest, including our work, everything in our life is an opportunity to worship God. And so as we are thinking about today, a communion Sunday and life is liturgy, um, I was reminded of a book by Henry Nouwen called Life of the Beloved. I highly recommend this book, Life of the Beloved, Spiritual Living in a Secular World. And in the book, he talks about the spiritual life um, as... Um, similar to what Jesus did at the last summer. So, So listen to what I just said. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. Did you hear four things in that? He took the bread. He gave thanks, or, or he blessed it. That's the word we're going to use this morning. He broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body. So this morning, rather than one long sermon, we're going to do four mini messages. Pastor Cheryl, Pastor Hoseas are going to help me with that. And we're going to talk about life as liturgy kind of in four acts. The way God chooses us, the way God blesses us, the way God breaks, deals with our brokenness is a better way to say it. And then the way God gives us. For the world. So let's start uh, with what it means to be chosen or taken by God. Henry Nouwen writes, the great spiritual battle begins and never ends with the reclaiming of our chosenness. The great spiritual battle begins and never ends with the reclaiming of our chosenness. So just picture the Last Supper. Jesus is sitting there at a table. There's lots of food items. I'm sure there were baskets and bowls and pitchers, and they're passing it around. And there was probably a basket of bread. And out of that basket of bread, he chose one of the loaves. He took it and decided, this is going to be the one that I enact the Last Supper. And and he said, this is my body given for you. That's what we're talking about, how, how like he took and chose and received into his hands that piece of bread, he does the same with us, that he takes and receives and chooses every single one of us. Imagine you're planning a special meal, maybe for the holidays, for friends, for relatives. You plan the whole menu. Uh, it's a theme. You know, maybe it's Italian or something. And, and you want just the right kind of bread to go with that meal. Maybe it's sourdough or pumpernickel or French bread or whatever. So you go to the bakery and you look over all the different breads that are available. 
and you point to the baker, I want that one. That's the bread. That's the special bread that's going to go with the special meal. You've chosen it. You've taken it because that's what you want to serve for others because it's special. Well, that's how God feels about each and every one of us. We're special in his eyes. We are, each one of us, the one that he wants, and he chooses us, and he receives us, and he draws us into his loving arms. When we talk about being chosen, what we really are talking about is that God loves us, that God loves us. Henry Nouwen uses the language of beloved. Remember when Jesus was baptized, he came out of the water, and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son. Well, all of us are God's sons and daughters. That means that God considers all of us his beloved. In the Christian life, a lot of the time, we talk about our response. Like we talk about what, you know, choosing to follow Jesus or, or do you love God. But we forget sometimes that before we ever love God, God loves us. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and that proves God's love for us, that nothing can separate us from that love. It says in John, uh, 1 John 4, 19, we love because God first loved us. And this is the teaching of, Bible, of the Bible throughout, that before you and I are even conceived in our mother's wombs, that God already knows us, loves us, desires us, has a plan and a purpose for our life, that God loves us throughout our lives with an unwavering, unchanging, we sang it, relentless love of God, that he loves us so much that he pursues us. We sang earlier, he tears down walls to get to us. There's stories in the New Testament about a, a shepherd who goes searching for a lost sheep or a woman who loses a valuable coin so she sweeps out the whole house finding that coin. Or about a prodigal son who goes away and dishonors the family and wastes all the money. But the father stands out on the porch every day waiting, hoping that his son will come home. And when he sees him, he goes running to him. The son of mine who is dead is now alive. He's come home to me. I mean, this is God. A God who loves us so much that he seeks us out and pursues us and desires us because we are considered in his eyes beloved. There's no greater example in scripture of how much God loves us and how much God seeks after us than Jesus. You've heard these words, God so what the world? Love the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then it goes on in 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Sometimes I think that we believe the most important spiritual question you could be asked is this. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you heard that question before? Okay. It's an important question. There does come a point in our life where we need to make some spiritual decisions. But sometimes we think that's the most important question. I want to argue today that there is an even more important question. And it's this. Do you know and accept the truth that God has chosen you? specifically you, that God loves you with an everlasting love and that you are God's 
Beloved, and it's so important, I'm going to read it again. The most important spiritual question I think is this. Do you know and accept the truth that God has chosen you? Specifically, you. That God loves you with an everlasting love. And that you are God's beloved. Think about it. There was a basket of bread on the table. Jesus took a piece of bread and he lifted it up. He said, this is my body. This is special. This is holy. That's what it means to be chosen by God. He takes you, your life, and he says, see this one, this person? doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter what's been done to them. It doesn't matter if they're rich or poor, black or white, male or female, young or old, gay or straight. It doesn't matter. You see this one? I love them. I've chosen them. They're my beloved. That's what it means to be taken. Now, in that same, same theme of being taken, we're ready to take your offering. How smooth was that? How, I practiced that. That was smooth. <laughs> it's time for us to take your offering. As the ushers come, let's present our offerings. And in addition to the plate, you can give online or text to give. In the morning, I say I'm particularly excited this morning. And somebody said, if you don't tell me, I don't notice. So uh, when we were um, talking about the... the how we were going to distribute uh, the words of this um, um, message, I couldn't pick a better one than being blessed. Because uh, uh, I said that a lot of the times we talk about the good news of the gospel, but I don't, I don't know that we really understand what that means. And so let me put it this way. <clears throat> Have you ever had a friend that uh, buys a car and calls you and says, hey, come and see my new car. Or uh, somebody bought a house or a boat, and hey, let's, let's try the boat. And I mean, we're happy for them, right? Uh, but unless he pulls the key and say, you know what, I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> it's not really good news for us, right? Because good news, to be good news, has to include me, make me part of that. And that is the, the awesomeness of the gospel because it includes you and it includes me. That's why the gospel is the good news. And so Jesus is uh, almost at the, at the end of his earthly ministry here on, uh, on earth when he's uh, in that intimate room, in the upper room with these disciples, and he says, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he has given thanks, basically saying when he blessed the bread, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. So Jesus is telling his disciples what is about to happen to him, but do you notice that a lot of the times these disciples seem not, not to get what is going on? And sometimes I have to remember I'm just like them or even worse. And Jesus has to work with me over and over and over again. And so <clears throat> the idea of being blessed is not a new idea for Jesus. Actually, if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, <clears throat> while he's talking to Abraham, 
on chapter 12, verse 1, says, So go from your country. This is the instructions that God is giving to Abram. Your people and your father and your household to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. And I will what? I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. You and whoever curses, I will curse, and all the people and all the people on the earth will be what? Will be blessed through you. Henry Nowen, on that uh, book that um, Pastor Vance just um, showed us, says that it, as a Christian, I am called to become bread for the world, bread that is supposed to be taken, blessed, broken, and given. You know, the, the problem with this word blessing is that we think of blessing in terms of things. And when Jesus is telling this, their, his disciples, this is my bread, this is my body, is inviting them as he's inviting us to become one with him. It's about the gift of his presence in our lives. So when Jesus is praying for his disciples, what is he praying? That they become one as him and the Father as are one. As I said, I'm particularly excited because uh, we just landed yesterday from Costa Rica and we had the opportunity to share with the people over there and we just saw the video of the people that work in Puerto Rico. And as I was thinking about uh, how many uh, sport fans are here? Raise your hand if you're any, any kind of sport fan. Uh, and have you heard these guys sometimes say, oh, we won yesterday. I'm like, you didn't play a thing. They did. But they feel identified with their team, right? So why is it hard for us? We went to Costa Rica this week. All of us. We went to Puerto Rico. Through us, you were there. Through us, you experience communion with the people over there because we are all one. Isn't that great? It is great. It is the gospel. It is the, the invitation that God is asking, us, is asking us from us. Because like I said, we, we tend to see the blessings in terms of things. But the reality is, when we're invited to count our blessings, what we're doing is to count the ways or the times that Jesus was, was with us as we were going through things. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not about, oh, I got the provision that I needed at that time, whether it was material or whatever. It was a house, was money, food, clothes. No, it was the presence of God with us at that time. How many can testify of the things that we've gone through and now we can look back and say, wow, truly God was with me at that time. You know what's interesting? Like I said, that we see those blessings in terms of things. However, we see in Hebrews chapter 12 that says, Therefore, since we, have, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, 
to the life of faith. Remember, we come from chapter 11 when we're seeing all these great, great men in the Bible doing all these things through what? Through faith. You have to read uh, chapter 11. Through faith, and it says, let us strip off, get rid of, of every weight that slows us down. Every weight, everything that is not helping us to get there. Like I said, the problem with our DNA is that it's hard for us to see ourselves as blessed. It's easier when we see the news, when we hear the comments on the people, when we see what is going on around us. It's easier to see ourselves in terms of curse instead of bless. And yet, God says, you are blessed. So Henry Nouwen invited us uh, at least to practice at least two things to reflect on, our, on that condition of being blessed. The first one is prayer. Spend time in prayer. Because when you pray, when you're focused in that connection, I, I said prayer is not a monologue where we're just reciting all the things that we need. and blah, 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 blah. No, we're supposed to what? Listen. Listen. We're supposed to hear back. And I know sometimes it's difficult because as soon as we decide we, we, we're going to pray, what happened? Our phone rings, somebody knocks on the door. Nobody visits our house except when we're going to pray, somebody knocks. Or, uh, or, or the bell, or the trash is coming, or the guy who mowed the lawn. There's a distraction all the time when we want to pray. So we need to be intentional about our time in prayer. And he suggests if you can get focus on your prayer, pick a verse of the Bible that is meaningful to you. I have like a, a, a little uh, index card with a um, circle, I don't know how to call it, that you clip on. And I have a lot of verses that are meaningful for my life that help me go through, through things so I can read through those. And as soon as you know, you're in connection. You're, you're there. So spend time in prayer. And the second one that he offers is what he calls a ministry of presence. And you're like, what in the world is that? Ministry of presence is not more than just count your blessings. Look back. Pause on your life and reflect on, like I said, all those times that you thought that you were not going to make it. That was the end of your life. And now you can look back and say, but I'm here today. I'm here today because of God's grace. I'm here today because no matter what happened this week, yesterday, or today, God still loves you and God still loves me. Whatever your condition, God is still loves you. So my challenge today for you is don't let your life, the busyness of your life, weigh you down and count your blessings. Amen. So as we count our blessings, beloved of God, we know that we live into the fullness of who God created us to be. Now many of us, have parts of us that we like to leave behind. And I got, they got the good words, I got brokenness. 
I, I had promised myself I wasn't going to complain about it, but <laughs> he, he's going on so much about blessedness and Vance about belovedness. I'm like, okay, I'm going to tell them I got the bad one. <laughs> but how do we use our life as liturgy? How do we come as, as whole people of God and present ourselves to the world? We come as we are. All of us have brokenness. And Henry Nowen invites us to live into it, to live into it. Our brokenness is as unique as our chosenness and our blessedness. So the ways in which we are broken tells so much about us. We often think that if people knew all the things about us, they would love us less, right? Yeah? And they probably would, and that's why we hide it, right? But that's their brokenness. Their inability to love us with our brokenness is part of their brokenness. And that's why we're all here loving on each other and trying to learn from each other, right? Iron sharpens iron. Yes, yes. Most celebrated works of art that we so treasure are reflections of people's brokenness. The best love songs you ever hear on the radio are usually written in a time of deep pain and brokenness. Um, great works of art that we pay lots of money to see in museums are usually a reflection of somebody's deep pain and brokenness. Psalm 34 verses 17 to 18 tells us, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. What if we chose to present our whole selves to God? What if we chose to recognize our brokenness? Those are the things that cause us pain, suffering, and estrangement. You know, sometimes we don't get the sense of, of feeling connected to others. Have you ever really been in touch with what causes you to feel alienated? Have you ever gotten in touch with what separates you from God, from others, and from yourself? Have you ever spent any time? All of us have brokenness. We've had a broken heart, some of us more than once. Broken relationships. Sometimes we feel rejected, we feel ignored, we feel despised. We feel left alone. This is a pervasive feeling. All of us, well most of us, some of you are super blessed, don't have these things, right? But all of us get disappointed. We have a deep, deep desire to feel connected for communion. But once you recognize your brokenness, what do you do with it? Henry Nowen offers two more suggestions. He gave, he gave two for recognizing our blessedness and two for dealing with our brokenness. First, we befriend it. Do not see your brokenness as an unwelcome intrusion. Those parts of you that you'd rather nobody knows about, guess what? It's part of you. 
And God wants all of you, the warts and all, all of us. When we lose our dreams, when we feel lonely and anxious, ashamed, when we feel deeply betrayed, when we find ourselves mired in the grip of addiction, drinking too much alcohol, watching movies, porn that we shouldn't be watching, using prescription drugs in ways it wasn't prescribed, when we find ourselves in the grips of wanting to be powerful and, and, and domineering over others, when we find ourselves glued to the television, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, whatever else you feel like, even HGTV, when that calls your name, <laughs> I'm guilty. <laughs> if I had my way, I'd watch it all day. <laughs> I love to see happy people, and it's just one of the channels with it. But I have to ask myself, I, I even went to my spiritual director and I said, I don't understand this pull about this HGTV. I feel like when I should be reading my Bible, I'm stuck on this TV. And... Um, it's not that bad. <laughs> and she says, oh, be careful. If you're sad inside, you will do these things. And I'm just telling you, and I'm just sharing this with you, that is part of my brokenness. Some of us watch other things, right? And we feel, we hear that, that thing calling us. Sometimes I sit with people and they say, oh, I need a drink. What do you mean you need a drink? It's calling them, right? It's calling them, it's calling them. Anytime we find ourselves so controlled by a spirit other than the Holy Spirit, we need to question it. Where is the brokenness that is driving me to do this? Share this with someone else. You need someone to help you know there's a place beyond your anguish. There's life beyond death, and there's love beyond fear. Share it, befriend it. it. Once you befriend it, once you see your weakest part that most needs a touch from Jesus, then we do the second thing. Put that brokenness under a blessing rather than under a curse. And this is like three times you've heard this word curse today. It's not a word we normally talk about. But we put that blessing, that brokenness under a blessing. You see, most of us live our brokenness under a curse because it reinforces those negative feelings we have about ourselves. Rather than do that, put it under the blessing of Christ. Pull your brokenness from the shadow of the curse and put it under the light of blessings. You see, the same pain, the same emotional, mental, physical pain that you have viewed under a blessing is radically different from living it under a curse. What seemed like intolerable now becomes just a challenge. What seems like a reason for depression becomes a source of purification. It's the same problem. What seemed punishment, like it's punishment, is now just a, a, a gentle pruning. God is pruning me. 
What seemed like rejection becomes a way into deeper communion with God. Our greatest task is to allow our brokenness to be touched by our blessing. Say that the other way. Our greatest task is to allow the blessing to touch us at our brokenness. Just as athletes know the joy of, of, of excelling, of knowing they're coming closer to their goals, it's just the same way the beloved can experience suffering as a way to deeper communion. You are not your brokenness. You are not your brokenness. 12-step programs are a way that people put brokenness under blessing and get new life. Brothers and sisters, befriend your brokenness and put it under a blessing. God has shown us a way to do this. It will not make the pain go away. We'll still struggle. It will not vanish, though we would like it to, but we experience it differently as beloved and blessed children of God. God has provided so many ways for us to be reminded of his blessing and our belovedness. He's not defining us by our brokenness. So I just want you to imagine that maybe, you know, we sang too many songs, maybe we preached too long, Communion Sunday, we're like, oh, we're just out of time, so we'll just serve the pastors and y'all can watch. Right? Would that be okay? Now you get to watch us be blessed and y'all can just sit and be spectators. Does that, that make sense? Like we would take the bread, we'd bless it, we'd eat it, and y'all go, go, go. Now that makes sense, right? Communion only makes sense if we share the bread, right? We take it, we bless it, we break it, and we give it away. We share it with all of you just like we just did, right? The point of the bread is that it be taken and received and consumed by others. And that's the whole point of this. This is why we come here, friends, on Sunday morning, so that we can receive, we can be reminded that we are the beloved, so that we can be blessed, so that our, our wounds can be healed, and then so that we can be given to the world, so that we can be sent out. Imagine if the world hears, oh, Christians are blessed by God. They, they receive a blessing when they come together. God's favor is upon them, and they just get to sit and watch us. Like you would sit and watch us. I mean, it's, right? If we think that being Christian is primarily about the blessing we receive, if we think being a Christian is primarily about us getting to go to heaven when we die. If we think that it's primarily about God's favor on me, we've missed it. Because all of that is now for the sake of someone else. It's given to us so that we can give away. What we've received, we give. When we're loved, we love. When, when, when the blessing is given, as Josiah said, we go and we bless others. When we deal with our own brokenness, we have an opportunity to go and offer healing for the brokenness of others. Jesus once said, um, unless a grain of wheat, bread, grain of wheat, falls to the ground and dies, 
it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. You see, that's the idea is that that we then go and take what's been given us and we plant it out there in the world. That we go and we share it with others. That we go to be a blessing to others. That's the whole point of this, friends. That we receive so that we can go and give. So that we be given as Christ's offering to the world. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, follow him. He doesn't hang around here all week. He goes. He goes to the broken. He goes to the poor. He goes to those in need. Follow him. Jesus says, if anybody wants to be my follower, they must deny themselves. They must take up their cross daily and follow me. So every service we end with this. We don't like, well, thanks for coming. Can't wait to see you next week. We say, go, right? Because what we do in here only makes sense. What we do in here only is fulfilled if we live it out there, right? Nobody takes a light and puts it under a basket. You shine it for the world to see. Let's pray. And so, Lord, for the person who needed to hear this morning that they are your beloved, I hope they heard it. For those of us who needed to be reminded this morning of your endless blessing on us, I hope we heard it. For all of us who came with our brokenness today, maybe maybe a reminder that we don't have to be ashamed of that. That you're a healer and a redeemer. And now, Lord, send us in your favor. Send us with your love. Send us with all we've received that we may freely give it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about First Church and our ministries, visit us online at welovefirst.church.